0: This this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM.
1: Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play? The human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold I'm Not Sorry For. And I am so blessed today to have my good friend with me, Jen. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Emily. It's great to be here with you. This is going to be a fun conversation. um, And I just love getting to know more about you every time we talk. And you have, you're such a dynamic woman in so many facets. And I think I'm excited for people and listeners to hear in about what you're not sorry for.
0: But before we get into that, um, tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so a little about me. My name is Jen Garrett. I'm a leadership expert as well as a branding coach, branding architect that really helps people to quote unquote, move the ball. So there's a sports theme to what I do. And so really what I do is help people to navigate in their career And help them with their branding and and climbing the ladder or being a more successful entrepreneur or if they want to be a better speaker and communicate with people either through public speaking or just being a better leader that's able to communicate with people and i also work with professional athletes as well as business leaders on their brands and how do they position those things for success and then i also have a podcast called move the ball and a book that i wrote also called move the ball, which draws the parallels between sport of American football and life and how you can take competitive athlete mentality from the game, apply those principles outside of that context to be successful.
1: Amen. And I love that. And that's what I'm excited for, because my listeners, y'all know how much my passion is for leaders, for parents, for um, people, for executives, but also for athletes, I think it's extremely important in the work that we do to have them all, um, because it's that performance mindset that is so powerful um, to get to that next level, to move the ball. And I think that flows in perfectly for what you're not sorry for. So Jen, show's called Unapologetically Bold. What are you
0: not apologizing for? Yes, I am not sorry for being a sports geek. My entire life, I've been a fanatic. i, I watch and study. It's not just about watching the game. I've studied different games. Football is my big sport, but also basketball and other sports and taking away all these lessons from being a competitive athlete different strategies and and things that you learn playing the game and different rules of the game and analogizing those to life how you can be successful. So I'm I'm not sorry for being a sports geek. I have a lot of my male friends, they'll, they'll tell me, you know, Jen, don't take this the wrong way, but you're like a guy. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Because I, I, I am not a, a sorry for being a sports geek. And I think that's
1: important, too, because I am always been the woman in the room that like I'll call the calls before they happen. Like I saw them and uh, I'm like, that's all sides, you know, and and they're like, how did you know that? Like, you're not supposed to know that you're a girl, you know, and it's these things that just because (laughs) we have boobs that we're not supposed to be nerdy about sports or love them. But I think the important thing, too, is that that's the beauty of true sports is that they cross no matter like age gender, religion, uh, socioeconomic status, like it, all of them, it brings people together. And so I'd love to talk about that more on how can, um, how has sports allowed you to help transition to the leadership or to the other areas and help in the analogies and teaching people?
0: Yeah, so I think that so you hit the head on the nail, so or the, the the yeah, the nail on the head is how it goes right um, but sports brings people together from all walks of life when I have athletes on my show, a common theme or one of the common themes that they talk about is why they loved playing their sport was because you take people from different walks of life and it was about coming together for a common objective it didn't matter your socioeconomic status your race your religion people were out on the field or on the court to win the game right that was the objective and so how that translates off the field in leadership is pulling people together appreciating that diversity and aligning everyone with what the goals are what the objectives are and then setting into motion your plan to be able to win the game and I think it's cool, too, because
1: no matter where it's at, um, those are high pressure, high performance environments. Like those are the people that we work with, like specifically me. And I know this a lot with who you work with as well. It's because it, I love the aspect with a lot. It's wanting to be better daily. And I I don't fully subscribe to that one percent better. Because there are days when we're 23% worse. You know, it's, it's not like every day is these rainbows and butterflies. But on the average, we do want to get better every day and, and be at our top performance. Um, but also I found is, like you said, the analogies. So one of the things that we say is uh, know your home state before home plate. And that's walking up no matter where you're at. Uh, whenever you have a curveball or even for the pitchers, if you're, they're thrown across the plate, you got to know who you are you got to know what you want to be. you got to breathe in and know um, if you're off, if literally you're off your game. And I think that's so much that can correlate with that. And the thing is, it, it resonates with everybody, just like sports. So I'd love for you to talk in on times about whenever at first you started apologizing for being a sports geek or you may have like curtailed it back because you didn't meet the looks or the criteria to even speak about it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, throughout my, so I'll just share, you know, I grew up being a spectator of the game of football and other ones, but I didn't grow up in that world. So I didn't have a family of people that played or coached basketball or football. I was just a kid that fell in the sport at a young age. And so I've taken these lessons away. And as a woman, when you say, hey, I wrote a book on football, and you try talking to people that play the game, what do they think? They think, okay. Some girl, random chick thinks that she knows something about football. Okay, cool. Right? But it's very dismissive and, and people don't take you seriously at first because, A, you're a woman and B, you didn't play the game. So unfortunately, that's people's perceptions, right? That what, what, can, what value can you bring or what do you know about this sport because you haven't walked in my shoes is something that I've gotten. And so I've had to overcome that, you know. You're right. I haven't walked in those shoes, but I've been on the sideline. So speaking, I too have observed and learned things from the game. And actually some of the guys on my show, we've talked about different injuries they've had and how they've been on the sideline and how they became better players because they had to be on the sideline and watch. So there's so many things that you can learn, even if you're not playing the game. And so for me, it was really just building that trust and that confidence and that yes i am an expert in this space even though i walked a different path to become one that doesn't mean that i don't know it or i can't bring value in a different differentiated perspective and so it's been an interesting journey because i had a lot of rejection along the way a lot of people being dismissive thinking that you think you know something but you don't right They, they don't take you seriously and so It's really just continuing to know who I am and putting Mm -hmm. myself out there. And people started to listen. And, uh, yeah, I'll share one other quick story. I mean, I had a woman who, and I may have shared this with you before, Emily, but there was a woman whose family owned an NFL team. And we had connected years ago. And I thought, this is it, right? This is the connection. I'm going to, like, she can help me. And her, her message was very negative in tone but i think she meant well and it was basically you're wasting your time these guys don't care what you have to say focus on doing something else in the corporate and don't don't bother and again i don't think she was trying to be mean or or rude i think she was really trying to do what she thought was best and give me good mm-hmm. advice and so when you have people like that you should listen to what they have to say and make a decision right like is is the advice something that you should take or is, okay got it But I'm gonna keep trying this because this is important to me. And sometimes people tell you things that aren't what you want to hear because there's valid concerns. You got to flush through those things too, right? And so for me, with this in particular, like, "Eh, well, I'm gonna keep doing me and seeing where this goes because I'm willing to take that risk. And fast forward years later, and so now, I mean, I've worked with athletes that I've never dreamed that I would ever get to meet. I've had them on my show, so it's been a great journey and evolution, but it's a process and there hasn't, it's not without rejection, disappointment, anger, frustration, right? But that's just part of the journey. Anything worth great is worth fighting for. And you just got
1: to push through it. And I think that's so important to that, the rejection. Um, and I was talking to somebody the other day <laughs> about how people, they, they fantasize a little bit about being like an entrepreneur, And it's like because I don't have to work for anybody. Oh, but then again, you actually work for everybody because you have to work for your clients. You got to work for and also yourself, which can also can be your hardest critic. Like they 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 fantasize and make it this beautiful process, but it's it's a thing. And then all the information that comes out with it also makes me think of whenever I had my kids. It's like everybody told you how to do it right, you know. But it's you got to trust your gut and your intuition. And I think what you're talking about too is. It's very powerful to understand and walk it out because what I've found is that a lot of people and even myself included, because I I do like sports and I feel like it's like I got to get drilled down by every step to make sure that I know sports or like I like to work on cars um, or I like hunting. Like all three of those things. I remember like times where I messed up and I said something wrong and they're like, oh, you don't know it. You don't know because I failed your test, because I made one mistake, yet all my actions show. And it's like I, I, I started having to overcompensate and overstudy and overanalyze to make sure I would get it perfect every time, no matter. And I almost took the fun out of it. Did you ever experience anything like that where you feel like you had to like be perfect all the time whenever it came, especially walking out in a world that was not, quote unquote, made made for you?
0: Yeah, so as a woman trying to play in a male dominated area, and this was true in my career outside of sports, because I worked in engineering, also a male dominated field. Mm-hmm. So the eyeballs are always on you to see, like, do you know your stuff or not? So you're there is that pressure of I've got to be on, I can't make a mistake. And especially in the sports world, like, you know, people will grill me on different stats and, and games. And <laughs> like, well, what do you think were the top plays in this thing? And Thankfully, I have a really good memory, too. So I can remember things. But absolutely, because if you make a mistake, like if a guy were to make a mistake, citing and it, oh, no big deal, you brush it off. If a woman does it, then it's like, oh, yeah, see, she really doesn't know. And so, yeah, you have to, I feel like you do have to over prepare or you have to work harder at it to know it. Because if you make a mistake, people will not forgive you or, or it'll, it's easy to, despite you, because you made a mistake. Right. And so mm-hmm. you feel like you always have to be on. Yeah. And I think
1: that's something too that, that just was something that was new to me and, and understanding. I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't just talk about what I love, you know? Um, but I think too, going back again, more to that sports geek on um, people that, that are sports geeks, they, they love to chat about it. They love to talk about it. Um, why don't you think more well, and I hate to to harp on the women, why? But why don't you think more women talk about it? Why do you not think? Why do you think that more women kind of suppress that and do uh, like they'll kind of hide it? Then uh, because also, um, like you said, you have a background in engineering. Uh, don't you have some in law too? Like you yep, have I'm your. Yeah, so this woman is like, she missed out on Tony, like all the things she's packed in on. So she has, she's just such a multifaceted, but it is a very um, dominant, like not male, do- what also has male dominance, but a dominating um, areas. Engineering is, you have to be on, you got to be on point. I can only imagine with uh, being in law and then sports. You have to be a high performer. You have to be on top yes. of the game. And so why does it feel at times that in dominating industries or just in general, it could be sports, it could be engineering, where it is, that women don't step up, that we kind of like sometimes we'll suppress ourselves to just avoid the conflict or we'll over, like I said, overcompensate.
0: Yeah, I think that sometimes people that choose to suppress that or not step up, it's because they they might either consciously or unconsciously lack the confidence to be able to and so sometimes they may feel like you know what Eh, it's not I'm I'm just gonna do my thing I don't need to try to put myself out there they don't want to be vulnerable or or risk you know someone catching on something that they made so they'd rather be in their comfort zone and kind of scale back instead of taking a more active voice and putting themselves out there
1: Mm-hmm. And it makes me think, too, of, of even your acronym, move the ball like they don't want to move the ball. They'd rather just stay where it's at or um, not acronym, your analogy. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about move the ball, like some of the key principles that you have found um, to be successful for people, not only to be unapologetically, well, but to be also that team player and, and to work in those environments, to to see the beauty in whoever comes in. Um, and their gifts and their talents, but also we can all come with
0: our weaknesses and work on them. Sure, yeah. So Move the Ball, I mentioned the book was all about football and how you take football and apply it to be successful. But Move the Ball, the phrase, the movement that I've created has nothing really to do with football specifically. It's about visually, you can pick any ball that you want, right? Like, And no matter whether you're a sports person or not, You understand what moving a ball forward means. So really, it's about getting people in the state of thinking, did I move the ball today or not? And obviously, you want to move it forward, not backward. And so um, tying it back to football, though, uh, I do analogize in the book, you, a reader, to being like the quarterback in the game. So you're the quarterback of your own life. And so that's really up to you to take ownership. The ownership piece is very important. And then action, right, to be able to move that ball forward. Sometimes when I work with corporate clients and individuals in the corporate side, they're like, well, I'm not the team leader. So how can I be the quarterback? And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're the team lead of a project or not, you're still the quarterback of what you have to do and your tasks and your role. So quarterback that and figure out, okay, how can I take ownership? What are the things that I need to do to perform at my highest level um, to be able to move the and contribute to that larger? So that's one thing is Visualize yourself in, ta- in that quarterback position, taking command, and then also figuring out what actions are you going to take on a daily basis. And I actually just posted about this last night. It's not just about taking any old action. Mm-hmm. It's about taking the right actions because sometimes people, they confuse being busy and having a calendar that has lots of meetings and tasks with progress. And they're not the same right? So just because you're busy doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. So it's really about aligning yourself with the actions that are going to move forward, right? What are the plays that you need to run? What are the tasks that you need to do that are going to propel you forward? And then the team, you know, we talked about the team as well, having the right people with you. One book that I really have come to appreciate over my career was Good to Great by Jim Collins, where he talks about people are on the bus, and you got to make sure they're in the right seats on the bus. Same thing with your team. You got to make sure you have people playing at the right positions, right? The right competencies to make that team most effective.
1: Mm, that's so powerful. And, and, and the team aspect and it just for me, it all flows with thinking about my team. You know, yesterday we even had a conversation about how many people feel like they they're confusing busyness with being fulfilled, like in their lacking fulfillment. Um, and that's what what our goal is to work with people and, and helping them to see the difference that just because you're doing things does not mean that it's the right thing. And having those people around you, your team to say, hey, on, on some of your blind spots, some of the things that you may not be aware of. Um, one of the things in psychology is the jihari window. Like, where are the areas in your life that you're not seeing things like where where are these perceived biases that we may have? Um, and I think, honestly, I do think that how we talked about earlier about sports beats. I don't even think that many guys, whenever they come at us, that they feel like that we have to prove ourselves at times. But just is it's like, sometimes it's just this unsaid bias that comes that, Hey, because you're a female, you know, you're not and I think those are some things that just happen naturally. But then also as a a female, I feel like I have to overperform. Because I feel like that bias is coming at me, and it's this thing is like we get so stuck, and we out we just want to perform and perform and do do do, but it does nothing. Um, and I think the beauty too that you're talking about is what all my listeners know as well is that, and because I've said it way too many times, is that knowledge isn't power; it's knowledge and action, which is wisdom. You got to move, like, you got to do something with your knowledge. You got to do something with it. So saying all that, there are people that are still apologizing for being who they are. They're apologizing for being a sports geek. They're apologizing um, for being a possibly an engineer in a dominant world or um, they're they're apologizing. Also, taking it back to your branding, that they're not being outspoken about who they are, and maybe because they might not know who they are, too. But what would you tell them? What advice or invitation would you give to them?
0: Yeah. So if you don't know who you are, then I would really take some time and get some clarity around you. Who am I? Who do I want to be? What are my core values? What things are important to me? And what's my story? So I think those things are important. But then once you know all those things, I think it's really about having the courage to put yourself out there, letting go of the fear of judgment. Because that is something that I have found. So many people, they're afraid of how other people are going to judge them. And they're going to be judged to some standard that doesn't matter anyway, right? So when you let go of that fear of judgment, it's so much easier to put yourself out there and not care, not apologize for who you are. And the thing to you is there are people that are going to resonate with you. And there are people that are not, right? And don't worry about the ones that are not because the right people will gravitate to you when they know the authentic you and your story. So I would say it's important to always have that courage to put yourself out there. And I'll just share, so I spent two decades working in the corporate world, climbed the Fortune 50 ladder, and you always had to be on, especially as a woman, you know, we, you couldn't have struggles. You wouldn't talk about your issues with your kid. Like, you just didn't, because then that was a sign of weakness. And when I left that world to be an entrepreneur, I had friends that I had met from LinkedIn. They're like, let people know about your story. And I'm like, what? Even before I left, they're like, tell people you're leaving your job. And I was like, Whoa, why would I put that out on LinkedIn? Right? Like no. And they're like no, just do it. And I am like, okay. And so people fall in love with your journey and your story and that's how you really build a community of the right people. As well, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Right? That you want to build that tribe is what they say. And so how are those people going to find you and gravitate to you? It's by you putting yourself out there. So now I'm not afraid to share any aspects of my story because I've taken ownership. We talked about tonight's ownership, right, before. And so, and I've also let go of that fear of judgment. Are there people that don't like my story? Of course there are. There's always going to be people that don't align and, and haters and trolls. And you just have to learn to brush those people off because the right people will find you. <sighs> that's so powerful and it's so important.
1: And that's the thing that also makes me think of how we talk about priority people, how it's instead of petty people. And making sure and actually using a sports analogy that goes, you wouldn't have a ref calling the game in the nosebleed section.
0: You have them
1: on the field getting to see that have, have taken time to get to know who you are and, and get to to actually be able to call it correctly. Um, and that is so important for people to understand. And, and I just love your heart. Um, and I love the work that you've done and the risk that you've taken because. Um, I think that's something that's very important people don't talk about a lot is just throwing away that, that judgment because yeah, it makes me, and it makes me think of my husband too. The first, because I struggle with that again, as a people uh, pleaser, the one thing that comes to mind is like the first time I did my first corporate call and I knew the people, he's like, they can't eat you, Emily. And I'm like, what? And he goes, they can't eat you. And so that's like something that's always stuck in my mind. They can't, they're not going to kill me. Like if they say no, so what? You know, um, it doesn't mean that I, and the irony is, is that I got the contract and to continue through. And, but it was this self-judgment that I also placed on myself that I was not good enough, that I was not there. I was not, um, but it's so funny just how all those things and just laying that aside. And just walking out, knowing who you are, walking in your confidence and acting. Um, And they can't eat you. (laughs) So um, but I appreciate you so much for joining me, Jen. Like you are such an amazing woman. Um, I am blessed to get to continue to know you more. Um, And I guess um, a final part of my question is people see you. They're hearing this. They love what you're talking about. How can they
0: find you? How can they learn more about you? Yeah. Great question. So I'm on, we mentioned LinkedIn earlier. If you just search the hashtag, move the ball, you'll find me. I'm all, I post daily content, motivational stuff, different things about my story. So um, hopefully you'll, you'll connect with me there. Also, um, if you want to check out podcasts, you can go to movetheballpodcast.com. We have episodes every Monday and Thursday. And if you go to getinsidethehuddle.com, you can learn more about just kind of my work and the things I do. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for all that have listened in. Have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans
0: who are humble, open and transparent. See you next time.